Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Please continue to show that love to the people that support us and continue to support us across the board on whatever network or media that you get to to get this chef information. That is for sure. PHIPower.co is holding us down. Please get your gear from them as much as possible, even if you don't like Philly gear. Check them out, see what they got. Of course, they got a couple of fitters in there, too. You can get your shirts and more at phiparo.co. Let me get into the show as best as I can because I got a lot to get to. I got my co-host in the building, Mr. Harvey, a.k.a. Mike. Welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Always feeling good when I get to do the show with you, my brother. How are you this morning? Doing all right, trying to get this first Sunday underway because I am electric right now about how this uh, football season is kicked off, man. I can't even lie. At least I got to see it for the first things first. But let me get into this show as best as I can before I get to the meat and potatoes and get to the real dishes that everybody loves. First and foremost, the thing that just happened recently, uh, because it's overseas, uh, the women's U.S. team, soccer, has just lost to Sweden 
uh, it was 0-0, but they lost the game off of penalty kicks. And this is spelling uh, basically the end of the career for Rapinoe. Um, we've had her in Sports City, if I'm not mistaken, with the, the Gentile brothers back in the day. So it's unfortunate that this was a guest that we had here. And um, just following the career and, and just happy to see her do her thing as much as possible. But knowing that the U.S. team has came up short up against Sweden and uh, knowing every time the women's team gets into the World Cup, that is one thing that USA could hang their hat on is their women's team has always been successful or a team that a lot of these other countries have to contend with. Uh, Sweden actually knocked them off. And just to watch them celebrate as, as crazy as they could is well-deserved because it's, it's like kind of like uh, – the David and Goliath story. A lot of people don't think David's going to win, and he ends up beating Goliath. And the, the success story afterward that falls into place is definitely uh, the height and the fall of sports, man. Uh, somebody has to lose one way or another. And fortunately, we learn this in every action in sports. But, Mike, your thoughts on the U.S. women's soccer team uh, falling short just a little while ago? You know, this is definitely a rivalry with Sweden as they have uh, defeated the U.S. Uh, or knocked them out in, in three different uh, international tournaments recently, like over the last few years. You know, the since they started the Women's World Cup in 91, the U.S. has been far and away the most decorated uh, team on the world stage in women's soccer. They, you know, were going for to be the, try to be the first team to win three in a row. Uh, they were the clear-cut favorite going into this. And, I mean, what we learned is you can't really uh, you can't really replace experience. you got some experienced people, but you also have a lot of first-year uh, people on this team, a lot, of, a lot of new blood coming in playing for the United States. And just like in, in a lot of other sports, the rest of the world is, is catching up. To me, this is probably – the most underwhelming performance that the U.S. has had uh, on the World Cup stage on the women's side. They've never been knocked out this early in a tournament. Uh, you know, they, they had one win. They had the loss to the Netherlands. They had the draw nil-nil with, uh, with Portugal, but they were still able to get out of the group. And, you know, that was a – U.S. missed their kick. Uh, Sweden hit theirs. Uh, the goalie blocked it, but it was ruled that it had just barely crossed over the the line there. So, I mean, you know this this is definitely this is definitely disappointing for the U.S. This has all the feels of sometimes uh, you know if, if the men make it to the to the round of sixteen, they did something right, but the uh, the women have have never been eliminated this soon. For a team that was a clear-cut favorite going in, this definitely has to be uh, considered a disappointing performance for the United States. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of talent uh, in this country in soccer, and I mean, I think they'll bounce back and be fine. But uh, this this tournament and, and the outcome this year is is definitely disappointing for a team that was the clear-cut favorite just a week ago. Uh, for them to come up short in the round of 16 and not even make the quarterfinals. Uh, listen, there's definitely going to be some evaluating and things going on. But congratulations to Sweden. I mean, they earned it. And, um, you know, you, you could have won a lot of money if you had bet uh, a month ago that the U.S. wouldn't even be in the quarterfinals of this thing. But 
I mean, you know, they'll be back. It's definitely disappointing, though. And, I mean, you know, you win, you, lo- you win some, you lose some, but you live to fight another day, and the U.S. will. So that's what we got. And, unfortunately, just like you said, um, you know, some things have popped up already after the loss. They're saying that the coach of the women's team has gotten into so many different tournaments and always comes up short. They're saying his job is on the line. I'm just reading this now. So it's unfortunate not only are they going to lose a legendary player uh, due to her retiring, but the coach may end up losing his position due to the fact that they did lose so early in this tournament and were expected to do better than this. And uh, I could say, I, I guess I say they weren't prepared. That's the best way I could try to say it without sounding too harsh, but the truth does hurt. So hopefully they get back into the square in the next coming years or whatever and um, can find that same electricity like, uh, you know, normal. But this, this definitely was unexpected and, and for Sweden to pull this off. And they, you know, just like Mike said, they had their history. But USA, I think when they see red, they're ready to go. And um, everybody's kind of locked in. And it's unfortunate that us as Americans – you know, always look forward to the U.S. women to at least make us look good on the soccer network uh, for women because the men have been coming up short year after year for the World Cup. They've never done it successfully. So I tip my hat, ladies, as best as you guys could have done. Sweden did do their thing, and and this is just like I said to David and Goliath, and uh, you want to see David win the fight, even though Goliath always seems like the one that's going to pull it out, and uh, they did it. So I got to give Sweden their credit. They're just due. Okay. Um, let me get away from that because there's a lot of stuff to jump into as best as I possibly can. I can't really wait to get to baseball. But um, last night there was a fight that took place in the heart of Texas, a.k.a. Dallas. And um, I don't even know how to talk about this fight or judge it, but it was an interesting, entertaining fight between – Nate Diaz and Jake Paul. Um, you have the internet social media sensation and Jake Paul that's basically turning into a, a full-fledged boxer, and this guy is actually very good at this point in time now. He's very good. And uh, Nate Diaz, everybody knows that this guy is a, I really want to say like a, a long-time, you know, mixed martial artist uh, in UFC, um, but but is known for his boxing skills while he's in the octagon uh, challenged Jake Paul into a fight and actually did the best that he could in this fight. I must say that this fight was very entertaining and knowing how Nate is, how a lot of shots and pain and things of that nature in a fight you think will get to people, it won't get to him and he clowns all during the fight and respectedly so doing the clowning. Like, like, you think that that hurt me? Come back over here. I, he turned his back on Jake Paul like four or five times in a fight just to get Jake Paul to try to rush him just to start fighting again and made it an interesting fight, I must say. And it was like um, I feel I feel like if Nate had more power or more pop, he could have won the fight. I, I think what he was doing when he was smothering Jake Paul's you know, boxing skill, because Jake is superiorly more of the boxer than uh, Nate is, because Nate's been doing mixed martial arts for years now. So, like, he he did uh, start boxing while he was in UFC or doing starting his mixed martial arts and things of that nature when he was younger. So he has that to his, you know, his repertoire. 
but um, he basically smothered Jake as best as he possibly can. And when he got in close quarters, he was able to attack and hit. But if his punches had more pop or power, he definitely could have hurt Jake. I, I think a couple of his shots did get through that, you know, pop Jake's head back good. And, but uh, I think the only thing that was working for Nate was like he was wearing him down and he was getting tired. That's the only thing that Jake looked vulnerable to was his endurance. His endurance was, you know, the question because uh, this fight was supposed to be an eight-rounder. They said 10 because Nate wanted to go 10. And once it got to like round seven or eight, you can see Jake tire. He was getting, you know, drained. And the fight started getting better because Nate was actually bringing the fight to Jake Paul. This fight was very entertaining. Jake Paul won unanimously, though, across the board because I think his his punches had more power, more pop. And uh, it's so better to me, I guess, to the judges as well. Uh, but nevertheless, Nate was like, um, you know, Jake had threw out the question. He was like, you know what? F that. He's like, um, you know, I fought him in the boxing world. I'm going to go to UFC and, and, and fight him in the, in the octagon. And Nate was like, no, nah, you don't want to do that. Because in the first round, I would have had this hole. And in the ninth, the ninth round, I would have had this hole. And you would have tapped out. And uh, just knowing that these guys are showmen. And this was a fight that actually humbled Jake. Um, Jake knew he won, but he wasn't talking that crap like he normally does after a win. I want to see Jake do more fights against boxers. His last boxing matchup against a boxer was only one of them. It was against uh, Tommy Fury, and he lost that fight. So it's like if you are a good boxer, which he is, get into that network and fight boxers. Don't fight UFC guys that's used to using holds and kicks and other things because you're going to take advantage of that and, and build your catalog off of guys that can't, you know, aren't really committed to boxing even though Nate was a former, you know, he trained boxing. He wasn't a boxer himself. But still yet, this was a very good fight of entertainment. Jake Paul, again, did not disappoint. I got to give him his credit now for, you know, at least taking care of these UFC fighters. I'm not taking it as far as him taking care of boxers, but he's a good boxer. He's trained well. But just knowing how uh, his corner was very frustrated with him early because they thought that he could have took care of Nate early and he wasn't doing what they were saying. He was actually going along with, I don't really want to call it a game plan, but like playing along with Nate's scheme. And, and it worked out for Nate to survive a lot of the uh, the fight, just uh, watching Jake fall into the web as best as he could. But it was a good, entertaining fight. I can't take that away from it. Uh, people got every penny of what they saw. Mike, your, your thoughts on Jake Paul and Nate Diaz's boxing match last night? You know, it's uh, it's interesting because uh, you know these him and his brother kind of YouTube sensations and, and get into this, and so sometimes when I see them fight like legit fighters, I kind of want to see them get beat. Uh, but my respect has grown for them uh, over the last year or so with the fights that they've taken. Listen, Nate Diaz can punch, but he's not, uh, you know, a full-time, like, accomplished boxer. Like you said, uh, you know, he could, he took care of a uh, UFC guy. I wondered a couple times how tempted Nate was to try to throw an elbow or something in there just out of habit instinct. Uh, but you go strictly to boxing. I thought there were some times Diaz was able to put some pressure 
I, I kind of thought that the only way that Diaz was going to be able to win the fight was if he could knock him out, like if he could tire him and then catch him with a shot. I, I thought he was going to have a hard time winning a decision uh, of any kind. So, I mean, I, I kind of thought of Jake Paul as sort of the favorite in this fight for that reason. We've seen this uh, seen this movie before. But, uh, like you said, I, I think it was entertaining. I think they, they put on a show. Uh, and listen, man, if whatever works, if if people will pay for it and, and whatever, get your paper, boo-boo, and they both did. So I, I think for, next for Nate Diaz is to go back to UFC. Uh, he's talked about what, going back there. I think he waited on another contract so he could uh, have this payday. Uh, with Jake Paul because it wasn't didn't represent the conflict of interest. Uh, he said Dana was kind of giving him a hard time about taking this fight, so he's like, "Well, I'm not under contract right now, so here we go." Um, I mean, good for Jake Paul. Uh, nice win for him. Uh, kudos to Diaz for taking the fight, and like I said, it was it was entertaining. Uh, you. You got an entertaining product. It, it wasn't. Uh, we have we have all had situations before TP where we have paid a sizable amount of money for a boxing pay per view of some kind, and then ended up with it not being entertaining or something happened to it. So. Um, this did not disappoint as far as uh, entertainment scale goes and as far as being eventful. So, uh, you know, listen, it, it's kind of a improbable journey uh, that that Jake Paul has been on as far as to kind of start self-promoting and kind of build from from the ground up and now get to a point where you could sell enough tickets to be on pay-per-view and get paid. So, uh, listen, it, Regardless of what goes against her tradition or whatever else, like I can't knock a man for being able to come up and and make paper. So, uh, congratulations to both of those men. They put on an entertaining fight last night, and I would have liked to see Diaz get him out of there, uh, but was not to be. So, ups to Jake Paul for being able to pull it out. I, I like the fact that Diaz figured out what to do to get around his barrage. And once he smothered Jake, Jake has never seen that, so didn't know what to do. All Jake was basically do was trying to loop punches to connect his, toward his head area, chin, basically trying to get a knockout punch. Because that's all he's looking for. He's living off of that adrenaline rush of knocking somebody out. And uh, all he was doing was hitting glove. And um, Diaz had a great defensive scheme. If, if Diaz didn't know how to defend himself, he'd have been in a world of trouble. But he knew what he was doing and could take shots. That's the one thing I do have to give uh, Nate for that fight, that he's able to take whatever Jake was throwing and come back and and do what he could. Um, The knockdown punch, um, it's funny listening to some of the announcers, and including Sean Porter. I'm I'm calling him out because he turned into a complete fan because I know that they're both from Ohio. Sean Porter's an Ohio kid, and so is the Paul brothers. So it it felt like he was doing more to support when he hit Diaz in the top of the head, it's it more or less, they, they're saying the temple area, it could have been in the gray area of the temple. 
it didn't. It wasn't even a full connecting punch. It, it basically grazed the top of his head, and Nate was off balance and fell, and that was the knockdown of the fight. Like it wasn't like a, a superior blow that Sean Porter's used to, something that he would throw or anybody else in the boxing network that he's seen. But it, it was more or less, I really got to say, a hype situation of seeing Nate fall in that fight. But again, I can't take too much away from that fight. That fight was very entertaining. Uh, to say the least bit, and um, I really, now this is the best part of it, because now Jake has been having fun beating these guys in a boxing world, but the crazy part is, is he really going to take them up and fight them in the octagon, or at least fight Nate in the octagon, because I don't think he'll stand a chance, you know, physically in a, a UFC fight with these guys. If he gets in there and he beats Nate Diaz, a former BMF guy, and not the gang, but the bad mother effer, if he could actually do that, then that would be incredible. Jake, you would go up like 100,000 points with me. I'd have to give you your credit then. Um, I, I feel like a lot of what him and his brother do is for entertainment value and purposes. These guys are getting huge. Forget big. They, these guys are on top of the world, uh, whether they're marketing or whatever money they may pull in, promoting themselves. They're doing an A-plus job, both of them. And uh, just like you said, me and my brother in combat sports is just so surreal, uh, I guess, the idea that they had before to where they are now. And, and, you know, a lot of people poo-pooed, you know, everything that they've been through from what Logan has done over there. And I think it was Asia, and he had to rebuild himself, and he's become a, a, a personal favorite to a lot of people. And Jake Paul reading the story that Logan put out about Jake, Jake was in a situation before he found boxing. He was literally about to kill himself. And uh, Logan and his father basically had to talk Jake out of that. He found boxing and gave himself a strong reason to continue. And um, it's glad that people do find their purpose. So I, I got to give both of these guys at least the credit to live this life as best as they can. That, that's one thing I don't want to see is don't give up. Just don't give up. But I definitely uh, feel good about how that fight went down. If, if Nate would have had more pop, it would have been a greater fight. It would have been greater but the entertainment value was still there. I definitely have to give that for event one of the events for the night. Okay. Um, I'm going to do this the best that I can football-wise because the Hall of Fame weekend is here. The game went down between the Jets and the Browns. The Browns ended up pulling that out. The Jets did look electric early. This is a scary situation that the talk about the Jets and where they are supposed to be Super Bowl or bust, I don't want to say they are a Super Bowl contender, but they are a team that people are going to have to deal with if they are all at full strength and healthy. The Jets may be a problem, but that is the Cleveland Browns. If the Browns are still trying to find themselves or is this just that one preseason game that we saw, even though the Browns did end up pulling that game out late, the Jets did look impressive early. And this was without Aaron Rodgers. A lot of the notable players didn't go, but still yet we got football here. Forget the horizon. And this is the week where a lot of teams are going to start playing their first uh, preseason game. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the game between the Jets and the Browns, your thoughts and, you know, shine light on the situation. Man, I'm just glad that we got football back. We, you know, the Hall of Fame game. Kind of really, you know, as we get into August, coming up with my birthday in the next five days, we know that uh, that that football is really real. Not only people already started at training camps, we've had one one game on TV. I was um, 
just glad it, the final score doesn't matter as much as just the fact that, you know, hey, uh, helmets were were done. We had them line up and 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 hits for real. Um, so, uh, listen, I'm I'm just excited that we're getting this thing kicked off. I I think you're right. I think the if they have their pieces healthy and can keep them on the field, uh, this is a different Aaron Rodgers. He looks rejuvenated, younger, smiling. He's actually, uh, you know, put in the time in the off season, which is something he did not do his last couple of years uh, in Green Bay. So, I mean, we will see. But we really felt like this team last year was just competent quarterback play away from really being a legit uh, playoff team. They had a really good draft last year in 22, uh, plus some of the, the additions they made to this roster. And and now you, you know, add the quarterback this season, bring in a couple of uh, familiar targets for him to go along with Garrett Wilson and, and what they already had there. Uh, yeah, this team, I, I think, is going to – be a little bit more explosive than anything that we've seen offensively uh, from the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 in a long time. Uh, so it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm just glad we had games. I will tell you that uh, I, I thought that the actual uh, broadcast itself was a little bit underwhelming. I didn't like the way that they just almost didn't shine any light on the backups, it was almost like they didn't want to do their their due diligence and researching these guys and knowing who they were. These guys had every right to have their name called on a preseason game for making tackles or whatever else or have stories told about them. I understand some of them were fringe guys, but uh, I wish that a little bit more attention had been paid to uh, the game late as far as even recognizing some of the people made plays and things like that on the field. But nevertheless, man, once the uh, – once that Hall of Fame game uh, kicks off, it's it's full steam ahead into the uh, preseason. Pretty much everybody will be lining up for games as of this weekend, right? So uh, getting the first of three kicked off. So, uh, listen, this uh, this train has left the station. It is going full speed ahead down the track, and, and we are on our way to football, my brother. As you said, I, I was waiting for the first time you would make the reference uh, – of them uh, earlier, and you've already done it today. The Burr Month's on their way. Football is happening very soon. So, uh, listen, it's, it, it's always a fun time of year. No, slow, slow down, slow down. I just I did that because I, I could just smell the pigskin. That's all. It, it's, uh, what, 26 days left. So, like, like I, I just did that because football is around. But I, I know me when I get around these months, because my, my favorite season is coming. I, if you don't know, I'm a fall guy. I love the fall. Give me the autumn, especially where I am, where the, you know, the leaves and everything change and everything is beautiful. I can go outside and take a breath of fresh air. Like that, that's what I love. I love that. So, and knowing all the sports come back around, you get football, basketball back, uh, you get the fall classic of baseball. I, I mean, everything is going wire to wire, man. And, um, just knowing that at least the summer's coming close to an end because I'm the one that don't like too much of this heat. I, like, I don't like sweating all crazy and uh, trying to stay in and out of the way of that sun because uh, brothers do get darker. <laughs> Look, a lot of people be chasing the tan. I'm, I'm staying away from that sun as much as I can. <laughs> as much as I can, that is for sure, because I, I get a different shade. But uh, nevertheless, man, 
it's great to at least see football out there on the horizon. Can the Jets win the East is the question. Uh, a lot of people are, like, dodging that. The Dolphins did lose uh, Jalen Ramsey for a while. He's injured, uh, knowing that they got these situations going on in Miami, knowing that they're putting a lot of detail to what Tua's got going on right now. Tua has actually been doing some interesting things. Can Tua lead this team with all of the – trauma around him regarding himself, uh, his head at that. And um, can the Bills finally do what they need to do? Of course, they're the top of the division, but can they get over the hump? And they're basically looking at the situation between him and Stephon Diggs and trying to see if they can make this that one-two tandem that everybody's been seeing for the past couple of years. And can they beat the Chiefs? Can they beat the Bengals? Can they get over the hump in winning the AFC? Are they a threat to get to the AFC Championship game and go to a Super Bowl which they haven't been to since, what, 93? Um, th- these are all of the questions that they have to address now because they have a small window now. Um, I really think <laughs> we are going to see the decline in Josh Allen because Dayball is not around and we're starting to see that team be vulnerable to Josh Allen wanting to still be the guy that scrambles every day and then leaving that offense out. It works when it needs to work, not because you just want to take it down and be the 6'6 quarterback. I don't want to say choose, but you're, you're a tall quarterback that people have to deal with that can move. Um, you take a vicious shot, that can end up hurting the team. So you got to use your teammates as best as you possibly can. Uh, knowing that defense is a stout defense that you have to worry about with Buffalo, but – can they win this East convincingly like the Patriots have done for damn near two decades before this melee started coming around with Buffalo getting stronger? Um, we'll see because the Patriots' day has come and gone, and, and Belichick is at his last little uh, couple of years before he wraps up his career. I know he's chasing one more thing. I think that's to catch Shula's record, and then he'll probably put the clipboard up. But that's at least the interesting stuff that we're jumping into as of now talking football and it, these are the conversations that are coming so y'all y'all just buckle up as best as you can again hey, that hall of fame game came and uh lift the lid off of me at that the one thing with the browns um can they beat a, a better team in the afc north uh the Bengals are looking like head and shoulders but we have to worry about if they are head and shoulders above the rest because burrow is now injured he's out for several weeks due to the calf strain uh, Lamar Jackson got some weapons around him now. Is Lamar going to get back to the top of the division? And then we look at the situation with Pittsburgh, who has always been consistent. Can't lie, Mike Tomlin probably will have that job until he hangs it up because he has been the consistent coach that keeping these guys above 500 his entire career as a head coach. Can he do it again? Can he make them a better team in the AFC North? Can Cleveland eclipse these guys with what they have in you know, in their cavalry as they do get a full season of Deshaun Watson and company. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the Browns, and then we'll get away from it. I think the biggest thought with the Browns, like you said, Deshaun Watson having a full season. Uh, he's got Amari Cooper. Uh, you got Peoples-Jones. There's one other weapon that they have with that offense that's escaping me right now uh, in the receiving core. Uh, but I mean, just looking at that, the other, the key thing to me is the health of Nick Chubb for this offense, because you don't have Kareem Hunt behind him anymore. You don't have as much, uh, you don't have as uh, as much experience like backing him up. So 
if Nick Chubb can be can stay healthy, uh, I believe that he has his ceiling is the most productive running back in the NFL this year. I'm not saying that he for sure is going to be that, but I'm just saying that the opportunities are in front of him um, to get the lion's share of the carries in the backfield, maybe make some catches out of the backfield as well. But everything is set up for Chubb if he can stay healthy for him to have an extremely productive season. Uh, And, you know, some people – identifying him as their number one uh as their number one overall running back pick in this draft. So uh he's had some injuries before and had to miss some games here and there, which is kind of the nature of the beast at the running back position. But to me, a full year of Deshaun Watson developing chemistry with the weapons in the passing game, if Chubb can stay healthy as well, I think this offense will be much Better, Deshaun Watson is one of those guys, like, when I think about quarterbacks in fantasy football, uh, last year it was Jalen Hurts. There's there's certain guys that if I'm not going to bite on one of the first two or three, there's a list of names, you know, as you get further down the list that I'm comfortable with. And it's like, let me have at least one of these. If I can get one of these guys at the quarterback position, a little bit later in the draft, I'm happy to do it. Jalen Hurts was my guy last year. Uh, Deshaun Watson is the guy this year. When you look at where he's uh, being drafted, this is a guy that, you know, not long ago was easily top five at the position. So he's one of those guys that I think could be sneaky value as far as a fantasy pick. And he's also, uh, you know, the other question is what can they do defensively? Um, and, and, to me, that that defense, can they make some strides and show some growth? Uh, that's going to be big, too. But to your point, that's a very interesting uh, that's a very interesting division. I'm going to be interested to see how it shakes out. Uh, because you could make a case, uh, you know, Cincinnati is supposed to be the clear-cut favorite. But like you said, with that uh, injury to Burrow, we'll see, you know, how long it takes him to get back. And then once he does, how long it takes him to get back to full strength. Uh, This kind of does open the window for the other clubs in that division to try to really, really threaten Cincinnati. So we'll see what happens there. I agree. And um, we're, well, at least I'll speak for me. I won't say everybody. I want to see Cleveland get back into the discussion. I remember the days of Kosar and, and Biner and all of these guys. I remember when Elway had to drive and all of this. Like, like, so you want to see Cleveland back in the discussion, not a team that everybody looks at the doormat to just walk over and get that win as best as they can, especially when they're out of Cleveland. It's tough for them to pull that off. But hopefully we see a new day, especially with Deshaun Watson trying to redeem himself after being out of the league so long. This is going to be his first season of a full season of NFL play. And uh, if Amari Cooper could actually put his name back in lights like he needs to, uh, where he was once that guy with the Raiders and also with the Cowboys, and the Cowboys got rid of him, and then he got to Cleveland, and it wasn't the type of season he was looking forward to, but they have the pieces there. And it's like if Cleveland does step up, who does end up being the team in the cellar? I do want to see it, but uh, uh, it's an unfortunate situation that Burrow is starting out hurt. If not, Simeon's the guy until he gets back out there. If that's the case, then the Bengals will fall. They will fall if that's happening, but I, I think they're probably going to get all type of 
IVs into that guy and make sure that he has the fluids and make sure that he's not in trouble out there. That's for sure. They got to ramp up that offensive line as best as they possibly can because that has been Cincinnati's Achilles heel is in the passing pass protection. They have not been able to protect this guy as best as they couldn't do in years past, but they've, they've actually done their work at this point in time. So we will see what uh, Cincinnati could get done, but nevertheless, it's going to be interesting to see if Cleveland can get out of the uh, bottom of that division. Okay, so Sports City, I've been dodging this sport as much as I possibly can, but we are now here because it's summer, so y'all know we got to get into this stuff, and that is the baseball world. Now, of course, you know I'm going to go through the standings of where teams are at this point in time and how things played out, but first and foremost, you don't really see these situations happen in a baseball game. You get it like once a year maybe twice, and most probably four times a year, but that's it. But a fight broke out, and I'm talking about a literal fight, and boy, was I entertained. That fight was better than the Jake Paul uh, Nate Diaz fight. And this is between a guy that I I like a lot as a baseball player. I can't even take this away from him, but um, you got Ramirez, and, and, and I'm, I'm being – personal and bias on the situation because you guys know I'm an AL Central guy and I have teams in the Central that are my rivals that are fighting each other. So it's like, yes. So you have Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians fighting Tim Anderson. And um, he he slides in the second. And this, this is Ramirez. Ramirez slides in the second. He's safe. Anderson has the tag on his back, but he's safe. So Anderson lets it up. Ramirez points up to his face, stands up, and really points his finger into his face. So now the ump tries to get in between these two for fighting. Tim Anderson throws the glove down like hood. He gets on some hood stuff. It's like, yo, let's box. Let's box. So he threw his hands up, threw a one-two, missed with the first. The second one connected. He threw another shot and hit Ramirez. Ramirez threw a looping right and dropped Anderson. Like, it was a knock. It was one of those flash knockdowns. He caught him on the button. It froze Tim Anderson's leg so bad. I, I pressed rewind on that replay at least 30 times to make sure it wasn't nobody tripping him. Like, I'm up here trying to see if this is a clear knockdown. It was a clear flash knockdown. He hit him right on the button, even though Ramirez, the way he threw it, he just swung the swing, and it connected right on the chin. And it's like this is what gets people amped up. I still remember the, the Robin Ventura, Nolan Ryan fight when I was younger. And, and Robert Ventura tried to run out there, and Nolan Ryan beat him up. And everybody's like, no, oh, Nolan Ryan beat him up, man. Yeah, I mean, that that's the, the fun fighting about baseball. But this one was a fun one. But knowing everybody came out and tried to keep the pieces they possibly could, it brought that excitement back to baseball, even though they, they shouldn't be fighting. I'm not condoning them go out there fighting, but it was the fun. I, I guess the gladiator, you know, you know, visual that I get – you know, I want to see that type of stuff. I, I don't know. It, it, I'm into every sport there is. But knowing that this happened within my division, it's like I need this to calm down for Cleveland because they have been in the Twins' rearview as much as possible to get a piece off of that roster. But I don't even know how long a duration of if they are facing suspensions, how long it'll be for Tim and Ramirez for their actions. But nevertheless, it was, it was definitely – Worthy of watching, Mike. I don't know if you heard about the situation. Your thoughts on the the Ramirez Anderson scuffle that took place in Progressive? Yo, this is lit. 
they had this uh, interaction at second base, and then like he gets up, they go to fight, and it. I was listening to. Uh, I happened to be catching what happened, and I don't know why. I was just flipping channels, and I just happened to stop there and listen to Tom Hamilton. So Cleveland has an old uh, play-by-play announcer named Tom Hamilton. He's been doing it for 20-some-odd years. Uh, Listening to him call it, he kind of gets excited, raises his voice at certain spots and gets kind of excited. But to hear him say, down goes Anderson. Like, <laughs> like the whole description. And the crazy thing was, like, listen, Terry Francona's getting involved. Look, Tito, be careful, yo. Like, you've had heart issues and other things go on. Like, whew, that's, that's kind of scary uh, with all the different things that Tito's had going on in his life and then trying to get out there and get in the mix. It's like, yo, sit down, bro. Like, uh, but they had, like, the, the crazy thing was you had other skirmishes break out, like on like <laughs> in the infield. It took them like fifteen minutes to get everything back together to where they could return back to play. Like they just had skirmishes all over the field. This really sparked a big like uh, bitches clearing brawl uh, for real. Like uh, I, I don't know. I know Tim Anderson uh, finds a way to get under people's skin. You know, for Jose Ramirez to pop up like this and, and for this to pop off, I'm like, whoa, they're, they're fighting, <laughs> right? Like, uh, uh, it definitely, uh, definitely entertainment value. I mean, it's definitely going to cost both these men. Um, it's going to take a little while for Major League Baseball to sort this out and figure out what suspensions they want to hand out and for how long and who all gets a game and. Listen, uh, this is on a much bigger scale, TP, but they probably going to have to stagger these suspensions. You remember how when um, the Heat and the Knicks that year, that it could have been really set up for the Knicks. Remember when they got in that big fight and they had, like, so many suspensions between game mm-hmm. six and seven that they had to, like, divvy them out so you guys can't play this game and then y'all can't play this one. You know what I'm saying? Just to try to make sure they can keep people in the field. It was, that, that it might, was a P.J. Brown and Charlie Ward fight. Yeah, exactly. So they, had to, so they had to separate them off. Like, all these guys getting suspicious, but they had to be like, okay, you guys sit out this game and then you guys this one. That might be what they have to do here uh, as far as trying to, like, stagger them so they can at least uh, produce enough, either that or, I mean, look, um, you know, Cleveland's kind of right there. Uh, the White Sox with their skid are kind of playing out the string. If I'm the White Sox, I'm like, man, go ahead and just suspend everybody you need to. We can just bring up some people from AAA if we got to. We're not going to do a lot worse, uh, to be honest with you right now. But, yeah, listen, the uh, Major League office and, and whatever, whoever's over, like, disciplinary issues or whatever, uh, they gonna be busy rewatching this and figuring this out. But yeah, like it, it, it's worth the listen. I know you said you rewound it, you know, a bunch of times to see it, but it's worth the listen. You can catch it off uh, YouTube. The one track that I found was like the one clip I found was like twenty something minutes. You had to skip to like the eight minute mark, but I'm sure there will be a couple more. Uh, but the play by play on radio call by Tom Hamilton from the Cleveland Guardians of this fight. It's definitely worth the listen if you feel like searching it up uh, at some point. It was uh, <laughs> it was, it was funny to hear 
Sister Hemsworth down goes Anderson. He's like, and now we got a bunch of more skirmishes on the infield. No, everybody's involved. It is out of control. Like just to hear him like uh, call it what happened. Even if you weren't looking at it, you could totally visualize uh, what was going on. So if you accompany, put that with some uh, with some video and get yourself some popcorn. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Not only did you see this part, right, but it's like um, you said benches clearing. The bullpen's cleared. You had to see, like, Cleveland leaving the bullpen. I didn't even know that their bullpen was that interesting. They have to go downstairs to get to the bullpen, and you're watching, like, some of the managers that's out there running down the stairs, and the managers are older, like, in their 40s, maybe 50s, and they trying to hustle, and you got the cameraman following them down the stairs. I'm like, this is it what it was it was pandemonium in Cleveland. Like what's going on? Like and I I love it because I need Cleveland to be distracted. I need I need something to just happen because is up and down things have been in the central. Cleveland has definitely been in second or third place. They have not budged from that area. So if something could actually help my boys get some type of edge, that would be great. But nevertheless, when he dropped Anderson and Anderson got back up and he wasn't like weary but everybody was holding him back and tim knew he got dropped but he wanted to get back in there some more but it was like this is what boxers go through when they want to prove that they could go back out there and fight tim was like i don't know if i should do some more because something could happen but he still was like testing you know whoever was holding him back and knowing that cleveland and chicago was out there you know tooth and nail after each other and a division rivalry and a division rivalry definitely spiced up this baseball season. This baseball season has been definitely interesting. I think that clock, whether it's the pitch clock or the batter's clock, has improved, you know, everything across the board. And now it's become more competitive. Even with Chicago being down so much within the division, like they are still fighting, (laughs) pun intended. And um, everybody's doing what they can to try to get back into this thing while they get approached as, as we approach the month of September is if people come down to the wire or trying to get into the postseason or if their season is clearly over. Okay, so I'm going to get into this as best as I can, Sports City, because I, I I had to get to that electric situation. That was for sure. Um, across the board, right? So we have a lot of interesting um, races in each of these divisions. The crazy part about it is, one team that we've been talking about, will they do it, will they do it, will they do it? They are right outside of 500, but I don't think that they can catch who they need to catch. And I will start in the NL West. The Dodgers are 63-46, and 46, leading the division. The San Francisco Giants are 61-50. and 50. They are three games back. The Diamondbacks are 57-55. and 55. They are seven and a half games back. Fortunate enough, I'm watching this closely because they are playing my boys. They are in Minneapolis at this time. The Diamondbacks are on a five-game losing streak. The San Diego Padres are 55-56. and 56. They are one game away from 500, but they are nine games back. They have turned this thing around. They are close to 500. They play the Dodgers today in a division battle as well. And to round out the bottom of the division are the Colorado Rockies at 43-67. and 67. They are 20 and a half games back. Mike, your thoughts on the NL West at this point in time? Really, really interesting looking at this uh, division. This is the big rubber game of that series today uh, for San Diego against the Dodgers. Now, I talked about this last week. Uh, going into that game on Sunday, the Padres 
were able to sweep the Rangers last weekend. And that run by the Padres is honestly why Blake Snell and Josh Hader are still there and the Padres did not sell. The Diamondbacks have really, really hit the skids after the All-Star break. You just said they've lost five in a row, but uh, their record is not very pretty over the last 20 even. Uh, and, and now you look at it, and the Padres are only two ga- are only two games away from the Diamondbacks, and you look at that, and the Diamondbacks are now sitting four games behind the Giants. So the Padres are closer to the Diamondbacks than the Diamondbacks are from second place now. Uh, they are creeping back in this thing. Uh, the run differential for the Padres say they should be better record-wise than what they are. You play enough games, and eventually things start to sort of come back uh, and even themselves out. Uh, the, the Diamondbacks, man, have just – man, uh, I would have liked to have seen them add at least another pitcher to try to help those guys out. There was thought that they were a year away, and they were surprising, and they could still kind of right the ship, but – uh, they're definitely they're definitely struggling right now, and then uh, we will dig into this a little bit more uh, TP as we, you know, continue to work through this and go through these standings. But not only are the Padres sitting two games behind the D-backs, but they are right now within four games of a that last wild card spot. So as bad as been in San Diego at times this year. Uh, this team is definitely still in striking distance of a wild card spot. Now they're going to have to continue to maintain and or, you know, stay hot. Uh, but this team is definitely uh, has, has played themselves into a position with less than two months to go in the season to where um, it, it is not as far of a, a impossibility or improbability as it was even, you know, a a couple weeks ago. So this Padres team has actually been able to find a way to get themselves back into uh, the postseason discussion. Uh, As far as the Giants, man, once again, I keep, uh, I'll tell you again, I keep thinking they may fall off and, and, and they don't, they, they find a way to keep hanging around largely production uh, due to production from some of these veterans, but the kids, man, like, Listen, they had Buster Posey for a long time, and this kid, Patrick Bailey, looks like he is really the truth behind the plate. Uh, they have some youth that they've brought up this year to go along with, with some of that veteran talent. The Giants, man, just somehow find a way to maximize uh, what they can get out of their guys, and they're right there. And this Giants team is a team that a lot of people thought would, would very easily be a fourth-place team in this division. Uh, they're not. They're firmly entrenched right now in second place, as firm as you can be with, uh, what, you know, four games up on, on third, which is pretty sizable compared to what we've been going over the last few weeks. So uh, this West is going to be interesting. Stay tuned. Like we said, we've been watching to see if the Padres can get over 500. They're still a game shy, but definitely playing better ball right now. I can't, I'm not going to act like I'm a Padre fan, but just knowing what type of roster they have, I do want to see them get into this thing because they have a lot of good players there. They just started out sluggish, and they had so many different issues, especially with Tatis. And 
their pitching staff wasn't up to par, but now that these guys have found themselves, it is very much in sight, even though they got some work to do, but the work that they have to do, they still have the full month of August to try to gain some ground and then the month of September where everything counts. So at least August, they could try to clear some of this up. Like I said, this is a big game tonight. I don't know if they get to 500 up against the Dodgers. The good thing is that they are home. So they, they do have Pet go in their favor at this point in time. Can they get it done? The question still remains. But um, I do want to see the Padres at least get into this thing and work this thing into, like, even more of a melee. Because even with the Diamondbacks struggling, they're still in the way at this point in time. But I feel like they're collapsing at the wrong time. Uh, the Giants have always been the thorn in the Dodgers' side, and the Dodgers have been sitting on top of this division. Can the Padres shake things up this year as well and get and be the third team while the Diamondbacks are, you know, coming back to earth the way that they started out this season? Okay, so let me keep moving because it, it gets better. It, it gets better. Okay, so we'll go to the NL Central. The Brewers are on top of the division, 60-52. and 52. They are being trailed by the Cincinnati Reds, who are 59-54, and 54, a game and a half back. The Chicago Cubs are 57 and 54. <clears throat> they are two and a half games back, and I'm clearing my throat for a reason. He hears me. Pittsburgh is 49 and 61. They are 10 games back, and the St. Louis Cardinals are 49 and 63. They are 11 games back, uh, trying to get out the cellar. We'll see. The Chicago Cubs have just split so far with the Braves. Can they pull this out is the funny part because the Braves went up there and beat the crap out of them on Friday. And then here come the Cubs to make this interesting as of yesterday. What does today hold for the Cubs? But we'll see. The Brewers are sitting atop by a game and a half. Like we said, it is very tight and interesting as we approach at least this early part of August and get ready for the Burr month of September. But, Mike, your thoughts on the NL Central? You know, this is a really interesting division because the Cubs, once again, uh, like the Padres, have played some really good ball over the last few weeks. They were one of the hottest teams uh, going into this series with the Braves. They've won something like 8 out of 10. This is another team that played their way out of selling. Uh, Cody Bellinger in the last month has been hitting 400. Uh, He's really turned it around been really raking. That was a guy that some Yankees fans really hoped that they might have in left field. Um, at some point was not to be. Uh, the the Cubs, because they were able to get hot, and it's exactly what they were planning on when they signed it. Like, we're going to get him and see if it works as far as can we contend. If we can't, we'll trade him. Uh, but they have been able to contend in Chicago. That will make for a fascinating story in the off season because they didn't pay any of their guys. So are they going to pay Cody Bellinger? I I don't know. Uh, but looking around, uh, the Cubs have crawled right back into this. Uh, the question with Milwaukee is always going to be, wow, there's a car horn going like crazy outside my, in the parking lot. Uh, the, the question will be with the Brewers. Can they hit enough? That offense is still really struggling to produce. Uh, can they hit enough? And then conversely with the Reds, can they pitch enough? Andrew Abbott has been really good for them this year, but he got knocked around yesterday. The Reds have dropped two games straight to the uh, Nationals. This is a recurring theme with some of these upstart teams, TP. Uh, The Diamondbacks and now the Reds will have one more for you in a minute when we hit the other division, but some of these other teams that have kind of surprised and ended up in the race, like 
you know, they're hitting that, they're hitting that uh, dog days of August kind of uh, slump a little bit. So uh, we'll see if they can be resilient and bounce back. They're still producing offensively, just having a little bit of trouble on the mound. This is a team that I really thought, once again, just like I said about the Diamondbacks, I thought they might be willing to sacrifice a prospect or two to try to help themselves on the mound. Uh, now, for the Reds, Graham Ashcraft has come back and pitched really well. They got Lodolo and Hunter Green both coming back pretty soon, too. So, I mean, maybe they're banking on that to help move the needle a little bit um, in Cincinnati. But this is a very, very interesting division and in that the Cubs have now climbed their way back in. They're two games back of the Reds. Uh, they are right there behind the Brewers as well. And that, the Reds right now would be that last wild card team. So the Cubs are only two games out of a playoff spot. Uh, you have three teams here, TP, that legitimately could be in the postseason. I'm not saying that three teams from the Central will make it. But looking at the standings today and how they match up, like there's a, there's a possibility that, that you could see uh, – three teams from this division make the playoffs. I doubt that will happen. I think maybe two, but the, the possibility does exist. I wouldn't have thought that going into the year, uh, but this division's fun, man. There's a, uh, you know, the Cardinals have continued to disappoint. They're kind of swapping places back and forth with, with the pirates in the basement of that division. And of course we saw the Cardinals trade some people off and, you know, the Wilson Contreras experiment didn't, didn't work out the way they hoped it might. Former Chicago Cub comes in, and I guess uh, I was reading early today that within a month of the beginning of the regular season, pitchers were going to uh, leadership in the organization saying they didn't like pitching to this guy and all this. So this is uh, something to watch because they just, you know, dumped $87.5 million or something into to Wilson Contreras, and the pitchers don't like throwing to him. So uh, it's <clears throat> that St. Louis has a lot of things to to get figured out, and we, we've talked about Pittsburgh before too. But the other three teams in this division all legitimately have a shot at the postseason. You're right, Cubs and uh, Braves today, and the advantage should be with the Cubs on the mound. They got Justin Steele going, who's 12 and three. The Braves with Charlie Morton, who's 10 and nine today. Uh, but that game kicks off 2:20 Eastern time this afternoon. Uh, game three of that series. The Braves have had a a good week so far, uh, but this is going to uh, this this is a big game uh, for the Cubs for sure uh, to try to pull this out uh, today. But a very competitive Central, and listen, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of exciting teams here. If you hadn't really gotten to see the Reds as many times as we talked about them, do yourself a favor and, and try to watch them play. Uh, one other piece that I want to note before we move on, TP uh, Brandon Woodruff is going to be back and on the mound today uh, for the Brewers. You know, top five, the other race a couple times. Uh, only 1-0 this year, limited action, but he's kind of the supposed to be the co-ace, if you will, behind Corbin Burns, uh, solid number two in this rotation. And so he is uh, making his return for the Brewers today. And so we'll see what, what he can do with that. Interesting piece. Okay, so that that spells a lot of the drama that's going on right now. 
explicit. You know, I take it personal when people talk about Cody Ballinger. I'm a big fan of his, but I got a ton of center fielders in Minnesota. We can't get them, but I would love to have them. A lot of teams are trying to get after them, but it'll probably take place at the end of this season. Can the Cubs make a push for the postseason? That is the question as they are starting to play a little better at this point in time. As you heard Mike said, he's batting 400 as of recent. So uh, if he can keep this thing going, inspire that team, that will be one heck of a turnaround. But the NL Central does have its storylines, and it is definitely getting intense, to say the least. Okay, in the NL East, the best division in the National League or the best team that's in the league at this point in time are the Atlanta Braves. They are sitting at 70 and 38 on fire, uh, even though the Cubs have made it interesting like we just mentioned. The Phillies are in second place, 60 and 51, 11 and a half games back. The Marlins are slowly falling some more. They are 58 and 54, 14 games back. The Mets, well, they're the Mets. They're 50 and 60, 21 games back. Just got rid of Verlander. Verlander pitched yesterday for Houston and lost. But we'll get into that as I get to the Yankees as well uh, because they did play the Yankees being the Astros. And the Nationals round out the bottom of the division, 48 and 63. They're 23 and a half games back. Um, I'm, I'm mad that the Mets wasted all this time over one calendar year. In a calendar year, we watched all of that come into the building and leave within that year. Sad enough. Watching the Marlins pull in one of my favorite players from the Twins and go haywire to start the season, and now they are back to earth. They're in third place and losing ground as the Phillies have gotten stronger at this point in time. Can the Marlins get back into the race, or will they fall to 500? They're close to both. They're close to falling to 500 or lower, or they're close to trying to at least get back in this discussion with the Phillies and push for at least a wild card slot, because I don't think they're going to catch the Braves for first place in the division. But, Mike, your thoughts on the NL East and what's going on at this point in time? So I'll start with the bottom of the division. Uh, race at the bottom. Can the, uh, <laughs> can the Nationals catch the Mets? That, that is the only question for the New York Mets this year is do they finish in fourth or fifth place? Uh, what a train wreck, uh, but hopefully adjusting, uh, getting Luis Angel Acuna, Ronald's little brother, uh, for Scherzer. I, I thought that Berlander kind of flexing his muscle and, and, and like, opting to not exercise his uh, – or not veto his no-trade clause uh, for some other teams kind of minimize the return. Uh, that they could get from Justin Verlander. And the Mets are paying a lot of money uh, on these contracts for these players that they let go. I think I saw something like when all is said and done, uh, TP, their amount of dead money now is greater than half the team's payrolls in baseball, uh, which is crazy to me. Um, So, Going up to the rest of that division, uh, Marlins have really kind of hit skids lately. I think they, I want to say they're like five and fifteen in their last twenty or something, and they're still one game out of the playoff race right now. They're one game off of Milwaukee for that. I'm sorry, one game uh, off of Cincinnati for that one remaining wild card spot. So the Marlins can pitch, right? If they can produce enough offensively. Uh, they can pitch, and so 
uh, you know, the, the old saying in baseball, you're only as good as today's starting pitcher. So uh, this is a, <clears throat> an interesting uh, thing for this, for this team, because I, I still think that they could possibly write the ship a little bit and make things interesting. This is a, a, a tough weekend though, playing the, the Rangers. They got up on them last night <clears throat> or yesterday and then coughed up the lead and, and lost a heartbreaker yesterday. So they've lost the first two games of that series against the Rangers, but don't write the Marlins off yet. Uh, Phillies, listen, I was kind of unimpressed with what they did at the deadline, <clears throat> but Michael Lorenzen pitched really well for them on Thursday. Uh, pitched eight innings, struck out five, one-run ball uh, for them. The, the acquisition from Detroit <clears throat> at the deadline. They're right there. They would be uh, the second of three wild cards right now. As a matter of fact, if the playoffs started today, you would have Philly and San Francisco uh, playing, and then you would have the other wild card series would be Cincinnati and Milwaukee, those two teams at the top of the NL Central with the Dodgers and the Braves <clears throat> getting the bye. So that's what the postseason picture would look like if we started today. A lot of these teams, 110, 111 games, the Braves sitting at first place, exactly 108. So the Braves are exactly at the two-thirds mark uh, with that 70-38 and 38 record. They're on a pace to win 105 games. If they could pull that off, that would be extremely impressive. Team has hit a ton of home runs. <clears throat> Part of the reason why the Braves are where they are is because uh, of the way that offense has been mashing. I mean, you look up, this is August the 6th. Uh, Ronald Acuna is still hitting over 340. Uh, he's got 25 home runs, 52 stolen bases. Uh, he is leading all the baseball in steals and in runs scored. <clears throat> he's uh, second overall in baseball in, in batting average. Uh, he's you know pretty close to the top in hits. He's having an incredible season at the top of that lineup, and they're just kind of going down through it. Ozzy Albies has 25 home runs. Uh, in the second spot, Austin Riley has really been extremely hot over the last couple of weeks. His numbers have been there. Matt Olson in the cleanup spot is now sitting at like 38 home runs. TP is only two behind Shohei. I'm <clears throat> not saying he's going to catch him, but Matt Olson has a, a very good shot right now <clears throat> at breaking the franchise record for the single season home run record for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, so, I mean, looking at that, they've gotten tons of production from the catchers and Murphy and Darno, <clears throat> and even going down that lineup, Marcelo Suda, who couldn't get it going for a long time this year, in the 20s in home runs. Eddie Rosario, former twin, doing just fine. Orlando Arce has given them great production at shortstop. And their number nine hitter, their center fielder, TV, Michael Harris II, has got the best batting average in baseball over the last two months. He started so slow to start the season but since June the 7th, Michael Harris has been hitting like 370 out of the nine spot. So that's helped them absorb some of those injuries on the pitching staff. <clears throat> and then, listen, they just got Max Fried back, their ace, uh, who's big for him in their championship run, been around for a while. He's been out since May. But he came back, pitched in Wrigley on Friday in the game TP talked about earlier. And in his first game back, man, he went six innings, struck out eight, uh, no runs allowed, gave up three hits, and only threw like 72 or 74 pitches or something. So, uh, nice return for Max Fried. Definitely looking like the ace that he has been in years past 
if you can get an ace back at the top of your staff with with the rest of the production that they've been getting, um, this could be uh, this could be scary for this team. I feel like the the Braves right now are the most complete team in the National League and look real good. Anything can happen come October. But as a Braves fan, you have to be happy with uh, with where they are right now. They are the only <clears throat> looking around. They're the only team. Going into yesterday, I had to double check today's standings. So they're the only team that has more than a two and a half to three game lead uh, atop their division as we as things stand in Major League Baseball. Okay, moving right along, getting out of the National League, we are making our way to the American League. The American League West is where I will begin. The Texas Rangers are on fire at this point in time. They are the best. Well, they have the best streak going on in the American League, winning five of their last five games. They're 65 and 46 at this point in time. The Astros are 63 and 49, two and a half back. As I just mentioned, they got Justin Verlander back, but they lost with his first start as of yesterday in the middle of the Bronx. The Seattle Mariners are 59 and 52. They're six games back. The Angels are 56 and 56, nine and a half back, hovering at 500. Can you guys make a push? Because you guys might end up losing Shohei. And I don't want to see Shohei go to a team that I'm going to get mad at, more than likely the Yankees. Watch the Yankees put every dollar into this guy and make him a, a monster in the Bronx. Don't let that happen. Please don't. Please don't. And to round out the bottom of the division is the Oakland A's. They're 31-80, and 80, uh, still the worst team in baseball, 34 games back. Uh, try to give them some type of last little push before they get ready to get out of Oakland, please. Uh, the NOS is very intriguing, uh, looking like, the potential, no, I don't know. It depends on how this does end up panning out. Um, the Houston Nationals can push for one of those wild card spots, but we'll see. Um, but it, I think a lot of it's going to come out of the AL East. But we'll get there shortly. Mike, your thoughts on the AL West, how it stands, and how these teams are moving? <clears throat> so, Rangers undefeated since that trade deadline. Like I said, pulled this game out yesterday. But the Astros are right on their heels, two and a half out. As good as the Rangers have been this year, you look around and Houston's right there. Now you bring Berlander back in for minimal cost. You're getting Alvarez. Altuve got back. He had a home run yesterday. Um, And so Houston is starting to get healthy and round into shape. Uh, On the roundtable gumbo on Thursday night, this past Thursday, which we do every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Shameless plug, as the villain always says. Chandler says one, only one team in this division is going to make the playoffs. I say two um, because I believe Texas and Houston <clears throat> are both going to have uh, get their ticket punch for the postseason eventually. Um, and then looking down this division, man, Seattle finally making a run. Uh, they win the first two games over the Angels this weekend. They can pull out the sweep today. Uh, but they're starting to play a little bit better. <clears throat> they're only sitting three games out of a playoff spot, and this is a team that almost sold. They, they entertained offers to sell, and they did sell off their closer. But to see them kind of come back after a really slow start and be back in the conversation, even if this is not their year, maybe this kind of gives them some momentum uh, going into next season as there's still a lot of youth uh, with that Seattle Mariners organization. Angels have been right there. They've been above 500 recently, but they really kind of hit skids this week. They they finished up in Detroit. Shohei had the crazy game. 
where he did like he had what was it? He had a one hitter with in the first game of the double hitter, and then he came back and hit two home runs in the nightcap. Uh, so uh, just Shohei being Shohei. Uh, but they go into Atlanta and drop three. They lose the first two. Oh, they well, they win the first game uh, in Atlanta, and then they they drop the next two, and then they came out this week and they just really, really struggled uh, this week. I think the Angels have lost five out of their last six or something. They they've they've got to turn this thing around. But the Angels' schedule in August is daunting. Uh, just looking through uh, everybody they play. Uh, in in the month of August, for the most part, <clears throat> our postseason contenders. So, this is the dog days of August for sure uh, for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. If they can find a way to sort of keep their heads above water or even close to the surface until they get Trout back, you know maybe that that helps this team. Um, but if they can come out of <clears throat> August with a fighting chance, their schedule definitely lightens up for them in September. Uh, but right now, it's looking like the Angels are sitting fourth where I expected them to be. <clears throat> the A's, man, just just really, uh, I, I don't know what else to say, just a sad story uh, going on in Oakland. But I think two of these teams definitely have a legit spot at the playoffs. And like I said, kudos to Seattle for turning around and, and playing better lately. But all these teams in this division, uh, or at least the top four in this division, have reasons to watch them. Um, can can Seattle get back in that race? What can the Angels do to keep their head above water? And anytime Shohei's on the field, he's a must-see. And then how does this play out? I mean, it's, it's, the Rangers have pretty much been leading the majority of the year. But like I said, Astros are right there in the rear view, two and a half back. So uh, still to be heard from. And Rangers are, are going to have to uh, continue to play well to, to hold the Astros off uh, in this last third of the season. Uh, so that's going to be a fun race to watch. The moment that I've been waiting for, me personally, ha, 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 No, I'm not. Let me, McCarmel, please leave me alone. I'm sorry. I apologize. Please don't do nothing to me. Okay, so the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins are 58-54, and 54, finally starting to play better, but they are still barely 500. They, they're above it, so that's a good thing. The Guardians are 54 and 57, three and a half back. Can the Twins continue to separate, especially like I just mentioned, there's a fight that just happened. Can this actually be a setback for the Guardians or do they get stronger? The Tigers are 49 and 61. They are eight games back. The White Sox are 44 and 68. They're 14 games back. Kansas City Royals are 36 and 76, 22 games back. Um, I don't like to say this, Sports City, but I'm going to do it. Um, this hurts. This is really going to hurt me to say this. Um, the Twins are playing better without Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton is a guy that they've been trying their hardest to protect because he is severely injury prone. He is on the 10-day IL at this point in time due to a hamstring strain, and the Twins got stronger after putting their young products back out there. Thank the Lord, thank you, God, that Max Kepler is freaking back. If you have not seen what Max has been up to, this boy is swinging that bat and getting these pitches out of the park. Thank God this guy is back. Please, dear, do not move my guy. Leave Max with the Twins. This guy has been here since he came to the league. 
He's been in a slump for the past year or two, maybe more, but he has found his swing, and he is getting them back out the park. Thank the Lord. Um, if you guys have not seen Matt Warner, the young product that they got out of the farm, that's, that's why I love the Twins because they probably have the best farm in the league. I, I'll do that just because it's my team, but I know that this team produces talent after talent after talent. I just told you about Arreyes. I can tell you about Polanco. I can tell you about Byron Buxton. I can, I can tell you about a ton of these players that all came out of Torrey Hunter. Joan Santana, that farm is crazy, and they still get able – they can produce like wild. And um, somehow, some way, management gets get these players – they play for like three or four years, send them somewhere, and then these guys become monsters somewhere else. Minnesota, please keep this mojo going because it's looking good. They went absolutely haywire on the Diamondbacks. I was so happy to watch this game yesterday, last night. I, I watched it from start to finish. Watching these guys finally produce runs was amazing. Like, this is the baseball that I'm talking about. And it got so bad for the Diamondbacks. They put in a live ball pitcher, like a guy that just came in there just to throw the ball across the plate, 46-mile-an-hour pitches, and they were just teeing off on him too. This this was how crazy that game got as of yesterday. Can Minnesota keep this going and play consistent? Stop getting one, losing one. Getting one, they got to be able to keep on moving and get the separation going because this is, this is probably the tightest division and nobody respects the AL Central across the board because of how these records look. Um, but nevertheless, it's still going to be interesting between Cleveland and Minnesota to the bitter end until somebody finally tries to give way. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on what's going on in the AL Central at this point in time? <clears throat> the good thing is, is all you got to do is win the division and you get it to host a playoff series. And <clears throat> I think with the injuries on Cleveland's pitching staff uh, with Shane Beaver out to September and McKenzie being out. Yeah, they got some kids, but, you know, that led them to trade Rosario, uh, make a couple moves. Uh, this Cleveland team, <clears throat> I mean, they are, they're going to compete because they always do. But uh, I feel like in some ways, even Cleveland management is sort of moving to 24 in some ways, hoping by then, you know, when they have their pitchers ready, they get a good look at guys and figure out, like, who really fits for them. Uh, this is a, a disappointing season for Cleveland, for sure, when you look at, you know, how they closed last season. But <clears throat> the I just don't see them having enough to overtake the Twins uh, in this division. Uh, Tigers still getting a lot of arms back, not really in the race. But, you know, Tigers are another team that I feel like, uh, as they're playing this thing out, uh, they're really evaluating guys because they, they think if they can bring, get these young arms up with continued maturity out of guys like Torgelson and, and Riley Green, that this team can be ready to push next year for a division title. So a lot of this is kind of on-the-job training for next season. <clears throat> the White, White Sox just a train wreck, man. They trade off uh, you know, a bunch of pitchers. Uh, I think they should have traded some even more pieces, but the one thing I will say, and I said this last Thursday, is this team needs to go through some rebuilding or some restructuring, but I'm not sure that they have the right general manager in the office to do it. So maybe better wait till we they make a move in the front office before they do that. And then Kansas City, you know, they were just sitting a game off of uh, Oakland a week or so ago. They've been hot this week. <clears throat> they lost to the Phillies yesterday, but they won – five games or seven games or something crazy like 
leading into that. So they've been playing a little bit better ball here lately. The interesting thing with them is just, you know, can these young guys continue to develop? Uh, definitely seeing some progress out of Bobby Witt Jr. CP is uh, he's on a pace right now to have a 30 home run season, maybe go 30-30 on the bases as well. So uh, for a kid really in his second year and his first season being uh, healthy, Bobby Witt Jr. is making some great strides uh, for Kansas City as a, as a young up-and-coming franchise player. Uh, for them at the shortstop position. So then looking at Minnesota, yeah, Matt Waters, a guy that I've uh, been paying attention to. I got him on my on my most important fantasy squad, my money league squad. I recently went and got him because of what he's done. Uh, just looking around this team, Sonny Gray finally got a win this week. Uh, <clears throat> and broke his string of uh, going, I mean, almost three months without a win, which is crazy. Uh, considering his numbers are, are – respectable across the board as far as ERA whip and all that. Um, but this Twins team, man, like we're Duran in the back of that bullpen, and, you know, they they match up pretty well with some of these guys, man. So, I mean, if you could just get to that postseason party, uh, anything can happen, and you at least can host it, you know, if you win your division. I, I do think, TP, things are set up for your Minnesota Twins here. Uh, regardless of some things that they could have done differently or they could have done better and whatever else. Uh, you know, Pablo Lopez is like third in the American League in strikeouts. Uh, they're getting pretty good pitching across the board. And <clears throat> this team is, uh, I, I don't know, I, I would probably say if I, were, if I were laying money right now, TP, I would say this would be the, the, the team that I feel the second, like this, Second most confident as far as uh, win, teams that are in front right now being able to close it out and win their division. Uh, so I feel like it's set up for them. Uh, the question is, can they can they hold on and uh, and pull it out? But I think same things are set up really nicely for the Twins right now in the American League Central. Karma, please leave me alone. I did not hear anything he just said right there. That last little four lines he said, Karma, I don't have nothing to do with that. Please. Leave me alone. I don't want nothing to do with it because I know you will come around here and wrap a Louisville around my head. I don't want it. Um, but thank you for that statement, Michael. Um, <laughs> the crazy part about these twins is um, I've been waiting for this guy to come and play. They sat on him all year long, and then last week they said that he opted out. He was going to be gone, and he gets his first start of the season today in Dallas Keuchel. And I don't know what to expect because – he was phenomenal in the early portion of his career, bounced around the league. Once he got to Chicago, they started cr- crushing him. And it's like we finally got a left-handed starter. Like, we don't have a left-hand pitcher. And, and now that he's here, he's been going crazy in St. Paul in the minor league. But that's the minor. Now this is the big boys. Like, can you get back to that old magic? Can we support him and get him runs? That's the one thing that the Twins have been struggling with is to get some run support and the worst team striking out. Everybody strikes out on the Twins for some odd reason. That's the way they get out. They don't pop out. They don't ground out. They don't fly out. They're going to cat. And it's like, no, get back into this game. Do you know one of the players that I love so much on this roster, 50% of the time he gets a hit or makes contact, the other 50% he is striking out, and that is Joey Gallo. Um, Gallo, I was high on you early into the season. You were hitting bombs and 
one hit that you had against the uh, the Cubs, they couldn't even track it on the Statcaster because it was so far. It was clearly over like 400, 500 feet of a, a home run. And now it's like every time you get to the plate, you can just see his body language is just thrown off. And it's like, what did Rocco do? Like he pulls him out when he's doing good. He keeps him in when he's doing bad. It's like when he finds that consistency, that's the havoc we need because he's a huge bat and respectably so. And this guy's a good guy. Like, if you hear Joey Gallo talk, it's like, man, who don't like this guy? And this guy is struggling so bad from the Yankees to here in Minnesota. And it's like, come on, Joe, we need you to get your stuff back. We need Buxton to get his stuff back. Are we better without Buxton right now? Like, I don't even want to talk like that. Like, they are actually playing that much better with Buxton out the lineup. And, oh, by the way, Matt Warner, this dude is a supreme pretty boy. Every time he gets a pitch thrown or, you know, anything that happens into the box, he takes his helmet off and brushes like his head and put the helmet back on. It's like he knows he's good. For, for as young as he is, he really plays that part. And um, I'm here for it, even though I want him to cut it out. Like, don't like, look, okay, you you pretty boy and you a diva. Go ahead and do what you got to do, man. But go you make it happen every day. But he's been working that ball and getting it out of the park. That is for sure. And Max, I love you, man. <laughs> Keep it going, man. Keep it going. Max, Max is on a, a streak right now. Two games, two home runs. Um, but he has been finally finding his power and getting making contact and, and finding holes in the uh, infield, even if he hits the ball on the ground. It's getting through the first and second base side, even if they're shifting to try to stop him from, you know, making a, a good hit happen. And he's been been able to make these people pay. So, Max, you keep it up. I'm buying a number 26 jersey. That is for sure. I'm, I'm on my way, for real. I'm, <laughs> I don't know who I wanted to get. I wanted to get Michael Taylor because I'm a Taylor, but – We'll keep on moving. Last but not least, the AL East, best division in baseball. The Baltimore Orioles are 69 and 42, leading the division. The Tampa Bay Rays are 67 and 46, three games back. The Blue Jays are 62 and 50, seven and a half games back. The Yankees are slowly trying to creep into this thing, 58 and 53, 11 games back. And the Red Sox just changed spots with the Yankees as of their loss yesterday, 57 and 53. They're 11 and a half games back, a half a game pedaling back and forth with the Yankees. Mike, your thoughts on the AL East? My bad. I was on mute. Uh, Baltimore is a team that, once again, TP, like I can understand why they didn't want to sacrifice prospects. I wish they had done a little bit more uh, on the pitching side to help these guys out, to be honest with you. I mean, they bring in Jack Flaherty. And that he could be a veteran presence that really works out, but it, that could really explode on them. At, at least the cost wasn't super high to do that, but I wish they had done a little bit more uh, on the pitching side to help that team. <clears throat> Creamer's kind of on again, off again, pitches good, and then kind of struggles. Uh, Tyler Wells, the former Minnesota twin, pitching really well, and then he had a couple really bad outings, and they sent him down to double A just to sort of preserve his innings. Uh, so they could have some more innings out of him later in the season, maybe give him a little bit of rest, a little off time for his arm. So he's been key in that rotation. Can he bring that back? Kyle Gibson, uh, another guy who spent some time with the Twins, former Philly, a few other teams, is another player uh, in that rotation. Uh, Bradish is pitching today. So uh, this is an interesting team with Baltimore. Uh, I'm scared that their pitching is not going to hold out, but man, they are special offensively. Uh, Adley Rutschman and all the rest of the guys on that team. Gunnar Henderson is on a, uh, you know, another kid 
that really struggled early, but a rookie, he's, he's on pace to, to, you know, get close to that 30 home run plateau as well. He's played third base and some shortstop for that team. And they brought up some other kids who have really flourished as well. So uh, <clears throat> Baltimore, I thought they were a year away. This team is legit. Uh, Tampa has really righted the ship. You know, you mentioned this being the best division in baseball. Uh, these are the best two teams right now in the American League. One of them would have to take a wild card spot if the playoffs started today. So Texas and Baltimore would get the buys right now. And then as the first wild card, Tampa would play the second wild card, which right now would be Houston. So you would have Tampa, Houston, two out of three. And the Toronto Blue Jays sitting in third right now. <clears throat> Offensively, have really started to kind of mash a little bit. Um, the Kind of big question mark is around Bo Bichette as far as his injury goes. You know, can he get back? They brought in Paul DeJong to kind of help, uh, you know, stop the bleeding at the, you know, as far as to get some production out of the shortstop position. So we'll see how Paul DeJong does. Uh, the Cardinals, former St. Louis Cardinal, you know, as a, as a stopgap until they can get Bichette back. But that's a guy leading the American League and, and hits that has really kind of been a fire starter for that offense. Whit Merrifield's having a good year, and this team has found a way to pitch. But Noah has come back and been good uh, since he's gotten back. Hinjin Ryu just made his first start, kind of mixed results this past Tuesday. Uh, but Kikuchi and others pitching pretty well. And the Blue Jays, for the first time in a while, TP have kind of put a little bit of distance. They're three games, three, four games up on the Yankees right now. Um, and then, you know, another game, a half game up on the uh, Red Sox. So uh, Toronto has, has started to kind of uh, step out in front a little bit of the other two teams in this division. And right now it would be good enough to get them in the playoffs. <clears throat> so we will see uh, with Toronto, but they're definitely uh, a team to watch. This is a team that was built to win now. And their front office made a few moves to try to help plug some holes there. So, uh, we will see what they can do. Uh, there, the Yankees, Nestor Cortez came back yesterday. You mentioned Verlander losing that game. He pitched pretty well. Nestor Cortez just pitched better. Uh, yesterday, he got back into that rotation for them. Uh, Carlos Rodon, their big offseason acquisition, is pitching in game three uh, of that series today against Houston. So, you know, can they take that series from the Astros? It's kind of a big game for the Yankees. Uh, looking at that, four or five wins off. The Yankees and Red Sox are both right there to contend for postseason spots. And I'm going to go back one more time, TP, and mention your your Twins. If I'm the Twins, I don't want any part of the Yankees in the postseason just because of what that's looked like the past few years. Um, I would really like to see, like, the way it's it's falling today, um, I, I could live with that. I, they would get Toronto. If, if I'm the Twins, I, I would rather not see New York just because of what's happened. And I would really like to do everything I could to avoid a matchup with Houston or Texas in that first uh, three-game series to try to advance, uh, you know, to a longer uh, uh, series and get into, you know, the final four, if you will, uh, in their league. So it's set up pretty good right now for them. But like I said, to me, uh, looking at that from, from the Twins' eyes, I would rather see Baltimore, Toronto, 
or Tampa as a first round opponent than uh than I would either one of those two teams in, in Texas or somehow find a way for the Yankees to get in just because I mean that's if you had to get them and you could get that monkey off your back and win a series, oh, that would be uh, very, very rewarding. But it looks like, man, at least, uh, you know, at least three teams in this division are going to uh, get there. And in the, the day, the question is, can the Yankees or Red Sox muster enough now to catch the Blue Jays if they stepped out? Uh, previously, Toronto would do well. They'd be coming in, play Baltimore or play uh, Boston and really struggle and get beat and kind of get returned to earth. So they won the first two games of that series this weekend. And it uh, looks like maybe Toronto is starting to find its stride at the right time. We can't duck no smoke, period. Even though I didn't want to go back with you for the Minnesota situation, we beat the Yankees this year. We took the series. It's been over a decade plus of getting a series from them now, we got to prove that we could do it anyway. Even though I don't even want to see them in a the postseason, like, all together, not just because of Twins' purpose. I don't want to see the Yankees in a postseason because they're struggling. Like, why get them to take a spot if they're not playing well? I, I was playing with Barry, but he did make sense. It's like, why would we go there if we're going to get pumped, you know, pummeled by everybody? And, um, and they, rightfully so. Like, I feel like the Twins are better than the Yankees, whether the record, I think the – Yankees have like a half a game edge on the Twins at this point in time. The Twins are a better team than the Yankees at this point in time. The Yankees are in shambles, even though they have gone back and forth with the Astros at this point in time. Once they leave the Bronx and if they can start winning games on the road, that's when they can impress people. But right now they are fighting for dear life to stay out of the cellar in the ALE. So I'm, I'm, I'm with it now. Now, now it's like whoever. And uh, the redemption that they got to get against the Astros when the Astros knocked them out of the postseason a few years ago and the Yankee situation that they finally climbed out of this hole of losing to these guys series after series for year after year, they finally beat the Yankees. If they were to get into the postseason and play the Yankees, I'm looking at my chops at these guys to try to redeem ourselves after all of this. Even though I got to be careful what I'm asking for, it, that's, that's the hype of excitement in sports like to be that David and Goliath like we just mentioned earlier in the show. So I'm not – I don't want us to duck it. But regardless of the situation, we got to play whoever we got to play at the end of the day. But it, it it just proves to me that I've been saying this all the while while they've been struggling against the Yankees. It's like the Twins can beat every other team in the series, whether it's there or not. They just could not beat the Yankees, and they finally got it done this year. So it's like – whom, it, it's on the horizon for whomever. They, like the, every game is winnable. They just got to be able to produce runs at the end of the day. That, that's that's that with them. But the AL East is definitely an intriguing one. Can the Orioles hang on? Will the Rays get back into this discussion? Can the Blue Jays stay in the third spot or increase their value and get to second? I, I don't know if they could get to first, but it'll it definitely be interesting to see how this works out. And can Boston continue to jockey with the Yankees at the bottom of the division? It's going to be interesting, especially with how big this rivalry is here in the tri-state New England area, and my state is right in the middle of it, being in Connecticut. Okay, so, Mike, give me a plug, close-out, shout-out, anything that you'd like to promote as we shut the doors here at the brunch. All right, man. Well, you know what it is, Sports City, man. Much appreciation to you, TP, my brother from another mother. Always a pleasure to do this show with you. Uh, on Sunday mornings, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. Check out our shows during the week. 
9 o'clock p.m. on the East Coast, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. we got the football show on Tuesdays, the college cookout on Wednesdays. Thursday night, roundtable round gumbo. I had Chan, uh, my co-host Chandler Knight back in the building this past Thursday night. I uh, hope to have him back again. We'll bring it to you again this Thursday. 28 days uh, from today, the LSU Tigers in what should be the most highly anticipated matchup uh on opening weekend of college football, we'll kick it off on Sunday night in Orlando's Camping World Stadium against the Florida State Seminoles. So uh, me and Villain will uh, definitely have some words uh, probably leading up to, during, and after uh, that football game 28 days from now. So uh, four weeks away as we get ready. Check us out, sportscitychefs.com. we got uh, articles. we got blogs and finger foods. Uh, have released some things on trade deadlines and such leading up. And then I'm going to write something on this college conference realignment and all that. So I'll look for some other stuff coming out this week. Anytime you see any of our articles, listen to our shows or anything else. Remember you can listen to us on your smart speakers, those smart devices. Uh, Just tell it, play sports city chefs. Uh, Anytime you listen to us though, or check out our podcast, like, and subscribe any of those things help us. Thanks, anybody, for listening to us. That's why we're here and do this thing. And don't forget about PHI Apparel. Use the promo code CHEPS at checkout for 15% off. Uh, look forward to talking to you more this week, TP. Look forward to uh, chopping up with you guys, Sports City. And once again, thank you for having me, bro. As always, I'm going to close with this. Laissez-les-bon-ton-roulet. Peace. Do everything Mike just told you to do from PHI Apparel for checking us out throughout the week. People in Sports City, basically everybody across the board this week will have their football team play their first preseason game. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait. And um, the the Lions have actually had joint practice with the Giants, so I'm going through it with all of my Giants friends out here that love the Giants, but they're in Detroit, so y'all got to welcome to Michigan. So that that's the funny part about that. Um, I cannot wait. I'm I'm ecstatic with a lot of stuff that's going on right now, especially with football on the horizon. The USA basketball team has been going up, uh, you know, practicing. I've seen the Canadian team with Shea, Jamal Murray, and and Lou Dort. Their team looks pretty interesting, too. Can they make a run uh, this summer while they get closer to the the NBA season, Uh, the NBA tournament that they're having in the middle of the season as well? It's a lot of stuff jumping off of sports. Um, Y'all stay tuned to everything that we got going on. That is for sure. Um, I feel like I'm missing something. I know I wanted to say something to you people. I can't get it, but I know throughout the week I'll be back here to tell you something. Whether they put something together on a Tuesday or the the cookout is going and the grill is completely lit, I know Sirius is out there in Pittsburgh. That's what I had to tell you. He is on the ground out there in Pittsburgh at the camp for the Steelers, you know, and that he's getting you his finger foods and all of the awareness on Pittsburgh as well. So shout out to Mr. Simmons himself, giving y'all that close and personal uh, talking to some of these people as well. So that, that's great that we get into Sports City out there as well, and that's his hometown. So at least we got the up on people at that point in time also. So y'all stay tuned. Stay focused everything we got going on day by day, especially throughout these weeks as we get closer to the bird months. On that note, tell a friend, tell a friend, this is Chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon, they
stay well in tune. Bloom like a flower in June. Superman verse MF Doom. The clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports team chefs again. Pay attention, tune in. We on the set again. Uh-huh.